The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you more pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. This week, four women with several combined decades of experience in the writing and publishing industries joined me for a roundtable to talk about how the last two years have changed how writers and publishers approach their business and craft, the difficulties of getting an indie book on the New York Times bestsellers list, self versus traditional publishing pathways, and distribution models. How fast do you need to go, speedboat or yacht? Hybrid models for writers, trends for 2022, and resources for aspiring scribes. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, well, welcome uh, to Women in Writing and Publishing 2022, um, a roundtable discussion with some very uh, talented authors and publishers and uh yeah let's uh kick it off by just uh wrapping a little bit um how is everybody doing today awesome great <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i'm good i got my coffee it's early here in california Ooh. <laughs> i'm in california too yeah yep, I'm, I'm i'm also in california oh i'm the uh -huh. oddball i'm in virginia <laughs> <laughs> north carolina here <laughs> So yeah, it's a little, probably a little bit different uh, climate-wise, but I don't know what's happening in California these days. Are you uh, staying warm and safe out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was hot and very windy um, here. I'm in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area. Me too. Oh yeah. my gosh, there's so much synergy. I just, I just did a book signing at the Barnes & Noble in Corte Madera this weekend. Wow. No clue. We did all be, we could have all been done this in person practically the podcast. <laughs> What a missed opportunity. I should have flown out to, to San Francisco. <laughs> well, thank you all for being here today. I'm going to introduce each of you so that listeners can uh, get to know your voices a little bit better. And um, first up, 
in our roundtable discussion today. We have Angela Engel, um, who has more than two decades, she tells me, of experience, even though she's still 35, uh, <laughs> in sales strategy and business development uh, for companies like Chronicle Books, Dwell Studio, Moleskin, and uh, launched recently, uh, or I'm sorry, several years ago, the Collective Book Studio, a woman-owned publisher transforming content into beautiful books. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, I'm supposed to just kind of go into my sheer, my superhero story. Is that the idea here? Yeah, that would be great. Gosh, always first up. I'm, um, <laughs> gosh. Uh, yes, I, I'm 35, but I have 20 years. It's, I started in publishing extremely young. Uh, no, it's, um, I feel really my superhero quick story, I think, has a lot to just do with a leap of faith. Um and relying, being resilient and relying on relationships. Publishing is small. We're uh, a really small, tight group. If you come from the traditional world, I think, Kim, you can kind of speak to that a little bit better. Um, so I started in what now is Ingram, uh, but a distribution house called Publishers Group West. And I had the gift of an incredible boss um, who we rode the wave of the four agreements uh, becoming a New York Times bestseller. We had The Power of Now from New World Library. And I had I, 20 plus years ago, that independent publishing spark, I mean, reading, you know, Cold Mountain and being part of Grove Atlantic's uh, marketing team. So I, I really grew up in an era of a really exciting time. I, you know, Seven Stories had a, a New York Times bestseller by Noam Chomsky called 9-11 when 9-11 hit. And I feel like, um, the groundbreaking truth is that my superhero strength is that I was able to build relationships with insiders and um, kind of decide myself after having three children, I have three children, that I could do this on my own, um, launch my own independent press. I actually launched a lifestyle press over three years ago and never saw a pandemic hit. Um, and to be able to see the resilience and the beauty and really the successes of, of uh, and champion women voices and debut authors, I think that alone, I, I think, is my superhero strength right now, at least, Kelton. Thank you for that. And um, yeah, we will move on to Jennifer Irwin, who I would like to introduce uh, to listeners. And she is an award-winning author and a novelist, uh, has won quite a few awards and, and had a book option for film. She comes to us uh, from the independent uh, publishing side. Welcome, Jennifer. Tell us a little bit about your um, superhero story. Hi, Kelton. Thank you for having me. I love your show. And I this is a huge thrill for me to be, to be a guest on your show. Um, I am fairly new to the publishing writing business. Um, I wrote my debut novel and published it um, independently. Um, at the time that I was writing it, I went through a divorce. Um, I was very curious why I married the wrong person, um, possibly what my childhood experiences had um, led me to um, marry someone like I did. Um, and I wrote the book while teaching Pilates full time and became very interested in women's stories and, and how our childhoods shaped and molded who we are. Um, also very interested in addiction and recovery. I'm the child of a drug addict. Um, I am married an alcoholic. I figured there must have been some connection there. Um, so I wrote a story that was very loosely based on my life um, and did a lot of research about uh, 
rehab and, and addiction and recovery, how the process worked, um, created a flawed protagonist. And I sent the manuscript out to beta readers um, and received over six digits for a film deal, um, which pushed me to get the book out to market quickly. Um, and I decided to publish indie. Um, I became uh, a marketing machine, learned very, very quickly how to um, how to run ads on Amazon, how to market, how to get your book out there. Um, it's it's hard. It's a hustle. And, you know, you have to be very motivated to be an indie published author. Um, I did. Re- I do have an agent. I have, did since time with an agent. Um, my debut novels won seven book awards. And. I just recently released the sequel. Um, I published that with the same publisher, just uh, a hybrid publisher, just because you cannot really get a sequel picked up when the first book's been published indie. Um, And my readers wanted to know what happened to the protagonist when she gets out of rehab. So um, I do have a fan base who I feel very grateful for. And um, like I said, I just really try to get a lot of personal stories about myself. I share a lot about Um, how I did, um, I am the victim of sexual assault and how uh, that really, how I healed from that. And um, my book has changed a lot of lives and helped a lot of people who have suffered from um, traumatic experiences. Yeah, that's a very inspiring story. And thank you for the kind words about the show. Um, I appreciate being able to finally connect with you. So um, what I'll do is move on to Kimberly Wells Ely of KWE Publishing. And she's a Richmond-based publisher um, who signed an agreement with Morgan James Publishing as an imprint. So she's uh, now under that banner. Congratulations on that uh, move for you. Kimberly, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of your mission to open new doors and possibilities for your authors. Absolutely. And I just have to tell you, Kelton, your voice is like hot buttered rum. I love it. (laughs) It's so wonderful. So I could hear it all day. I snorted. (laughs) <laughs> you snorted. Yay. I've known for snorting, so it's contagion. Um, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. So, um, about, uh, 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 oh gosh, I graduated from college with an English degree and then I got my master's in writing and rhetoric. So of course I went into IT right after college <laughs> and I was in IT for nearly two decades I was doing well. I was getting a decent paycheck. I worked my way up from computer technician to being a a project manager. And then uh, most of my team got laid off. And uh, even though I didn't get laid off, it was devastating to me because I love people and I loved my team. And I went, huh, I'm sleepwalking through my life. What do people do who love to do what they do for a living? And I was like, I'm going to read a book about that. And I went out and looked and I did not find the right book. And I went, I'm going to write a book about that. So I did. Hmm. So I self-published in uh, 2016. And after I did, people were like, hey, you published a book. How'd you do that? And I was like, oh, it's easy. You just do these 400 steps and then you're published. And people were like, oh, okay. And one lady, her eyes glazed over. And then she went, I would pay you to do that. I was like, you would? So a side hustle was born. I started Kiwi Publishing, KWE Publishing. It, uh, has been a hybrid publisher until last year when I uh, made a wonderful partnership with a fantastic traditional publishing company, Morgan James Publishing, a New York publisher. And uh, now I have an imprint under Kiwi Publishing so I can offer the what I like to call the best of both worlds to my awesome clients. Um, I mostly work with personal development book authors and children's book authors. 
Very nice. Very nice. Well, congratulations, Kimberly. Uh, next up, we've got Dallas Woodburn, an award-winning author and a book coach as well. Hi, Dallas. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your superhero origins. Hi. So happy to be here. I loved hearing everybody's stories. It resonated with so much of what everyone was saying. Um yeah, I feel my dad is actually a writer. He's a journalist. So I um, I feel like I sort of got a little bit of a head start or like a glimpse into the life of a writer, even as a child. And um, my parents were very supportive when I, I love always loved writing. And I decided I wanted to study creative writing in college. And then I went on and got my master's in fiction writing. Um, always knew I wanted to publish books and be a writer Uh, But when I was getting my master's in fiction um, at Purdue University, one of the things that we did as grad students was we taught uh, writing classes for undergraduates. And Mm -hmm. I learned that I really loved teaching and I loved getting to interact with other writers. And um, I'm a pretty social person. So just being alone at my desk all day um, writing, I wasn't totally fulfilled. Um, Hmm. So I really feel like I'm living my my dream life right now where I'm writing my own books. Um, my fourth manuscript, uh, that I, my fourth novel manuscript was my first novel that ended up getting picked up by a traditional publisher. It came out in April, 2020. So it was like right at the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was a very interesting time to be a debut, uh, novelist. Um, but since then I actually have sold, um, three novels that I'd written before that one. So just for listeners, it's not always your first manuscript that you finish um, that is the first one that gets picked up by a publisher. Um, And then uh, I also, as Kelton mentioned, I get to work as a book coach. Um, So I get to help uh, people who want to write a book, um, like Kimberly was saying, but don't know the steps to get there. Um, kind of just walk beside them, journey beside them through the process of writing their first draft. I actually call myself a book doula, um, <laughs> similar to how a doula will help um, help you know give birth to a baby. I like to help women uh, give birth to the books inside of them. Amazing! I love that term, book doula. <laughs> hey, I just want to take a quick break for my podcast recommendation for this week. Have you run out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then take a listen to the Book Dreams podcast. Each week, co-hosts Julie Sternberg and Eve Yohalem use books to explore fascinating questions like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake. How did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Disha Filia, award-winning author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and neuroscientist and dreams researcher Siddhartha Ribeiro. You can subscribe and listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. 
And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. You all kind of are come from a similar strands, it sounds like, and I'll have a, a, a um, tinge of the book dealer, don't you? <laughs> well, that was an awkward pause. <laughs> no, um. I, agree. I, agree. I actually have a book called You've Got This on our list, which is actually written by a birth worker, and it's an, it's an awesome book, um, So, and she owns uh, Glow Birth and Body. So I can't take credit, but in some ways we laugh, like making a book is similar to, you know, birthing a baby. And I wrote something on my journal a while ago about how, and you know, I don't want to kind of derail the conversation at all, but I think partly when I started this business was this idea that in so many ways, self-publishing doesn't allow authors to have the distribution that I knew needs to, uh, that I know, because I come from the traditional world needs to happen for many. So you birth this baby, essentially, you're a doula, and then where is it going to go in the world? And so I often see my books as ones that are so visually and high, high content, that when you get to walk into a bookstore, when you get to walk into a place that sells books, and you see that baby essentially on your shelf, it feels it's born. Mm. Um, it is very difficult and challenging as an indie published author to have your book distributed in places like Barnes and Noble, Target, the airport. Um, they just simply do not want to shelf books published by small press um, hybrid publishers. It's, it's, it is very, very challenging. Um, so definitely uh, one of the obstacles that, that indie authors um, face. And it's, it's, I mean, you can do your best to penetrate the market as a one-woman marketing machine, but you're not—you're really not going to get the kind of distribution you would get. You also can't make the New York Times bestseller list because you're not going to have access to getting getting on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, which is where they 
we they use their numbers mostly from um but yeah i mean just do your best and um yeah traditionally publishing it definitely has a lot of benefits that's that's true yeah yeah why don't why don't uh angela and or kimberly take that one too because um yes this is a, a an interesting challenge especially during a pandemic is it not yeah i mean kimberly do you want to start yeah i'll jump in and and um just say that was uh one of the reasons i was so excited to be able to have the imprint through Morgan James Publishing, um, for that very reason, Jennifer, and I, I like how you describe that, it, it, the ability to have the greater distribution and also the ability to have, uh, say, a New York Times or Wall Street Journal USA Today um, published book. It just it, it can be done as a self-published book, but it's definitely, well, not, not the New York Times, but the, um, you can definitely be award-winning, uh, which you've proven, Jennifer, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it is harder and you do have to be a, a marketing machine. So um, being able to offer the best of both worlds. I like to use this analogy and I love being able to share this with y'all because I would love your feedback on this. I describe self-publishing and um, traditional publishing. Uh, I use the analogy of one is a speedboat and one is a yacht. And so <laughs> self-publishing is a speedboat because you can hop in, you can choose your own timing as far as when you publish but it, it's it's not the same as a yacht, which um, moves a little bit slower, but it has more of the bells and whistles. Hmm. No, that's a that's a great analogy. I, mean, I ended up publishing indie because I did have a film. Um, I had a film deal, so it became more of a time situation to mm-hmm. get my book to market. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you have time and you, I mean, I do have an agent, and that's obviously one of the goals of a of a writer. Um, but once you have an agent, it doesn't mean you're going to get picked up by a publisher. And it's just such a long, arduous process. Um, and then when you do yeah. sign with a publisher, it could take even another year or two to get your book to market. So you just have to have great patience. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here just a little bit, kind of go after what both Kim and Jennifer are saying. You know, look, I get it. Our, the traditional industry is like a snail, I mean, or an ostrich <laughs> in a sand. I have no idea. But I mean, I, I love it too, right? Um, that said, I founded the Collective Book Studio. And I when I launched it, we were a packager, which is a whole nother, you know, podcast, Kelton, on just like the way to publish a book is not just has never been in the 20 years that I have been in publishing a straight line. Uh, Mm -hmm. look at National Geographic, Scholastic, Chronicle Books, Abrams, a lot of what we do, Weldon Owen, we're packagers. So there's things on our list, what that means. There's no author. We're writing it. We're creating it. We're thinking of the idea. We're editors. We are bookmakers and artists Mm -hmm. ourselves. And so a lot of our list is going to be that. It's healthy. Um, there's not a royalty rate usually involved. Like there's a lot of ways we, we generate revenue as publishers that way. And then there's a whole nother side. And I'm talking from the lifestyle side. I don't do novels and memoirs, but in the, in the space that I, in my lane, um, which is, you know, food and children's and, uh, home, home and gardening and crafting and lifestyle books. Um, this is just the way that it is that there's part of the list that we're making regardless of a writer. So if you think for a writer, how few titles 
and the opportunity everyone wants to have a book, of course, self-publishing is going to emerge and take mm-hmm. off. It's, it's, it's booming, right? That said, people still need to be mindful of what does a hybrid publisher mean? Because to me, a hybrid publisher should have reputable distribution with either Ingram or an uh, NBN or IPG, Independent Publishers Group, which is where, where the Collective Book Studio is. Otherwise, it's a hybrid service for an indie author to self-publish. And I really want to make that distinction mm-hmm. because I think that that is what people often don't realize. is like, hey, I'm with a publisher, but you have to ask the question, does the publisher have distribution into stores, into the mm-hmm. Strand, Barnes and Noble, Powell's, Romans, all of those places. And so I want to make that distinction here for writers and aspiring writers. I'm glad you brought that up too, because um, I've had that experience as well with traditional, I've been traditionally published, but it's been with smaller presses, um, as opposed to, I think often when people think traditional publishing, they only think of the big five or is it the big four now? Um, (laughs) And, and I think uh, there are so many wonderful um, smaller publishers out there that are, it is a traditional publishing process. Um, Either your agent is submitting or sometimes they have certain submission periods where authors are able to submit, Um, but they do have that great distribution, like you're mentioning through IPG or through Ingram. And it is a slower process. It is more of that that yacht process um, where you're going through the design process and all those edits. But I've been really pleased. Um, there are actually some novels that my agent wasn't able to sell, but we were able to find amazing smaller publishers, traditional publishers who were who just have been really fantastic. I love that you're saying this, Dallas. Um, I have an awesome friend who was published and she also has done some developmental work from us, Elizabeth Gonzalez James. And she wrote, she got Mona at sea from uh, Santa Fe writers project, great little independent press with distribution for IPG. And she got her day, a debut novel. And guess what? Her next novel was signed. It was in the deals for Simon and Schuster. You just don't know. And that power of a small press, what it can do for a writer. And an author. It is such a small world. I just interviewed her for my podcast maybe two <laughs> weeks ago. I love her. That's <laughs> awesome. she, she's, she's done developmental editor work on us and she's written for my blog on, on actually a great blog called The Power of the Small Press. Oh, how cool. <laughs> what, a, what a cool coincidence. Yeah, Kelton, you might have to get her on here too. Okay. Well, <laughs> we might have yeah. to do a part two here. Sounds like. Well, I just want to um, tie these things together because, you know, you're talking about the difference between the different roads. And of course, the it is a long and winding road, whichever path you do choose. But, you know, there are some differences in, you know, post-publishing and, and different revenue streams, as you all know. Um, but yeah, aren't, aren't we, aren't authors really ultimately just picking their speed and then really working to meet their audience wherever they are. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's an interesting line and concept. So no, in other words, no path is the correct path. Yeah, I like this idea of like, 
we need to kind of break down the fact that we're so sometimes fixated on labels and we do it among writers, among agents, publishing. And I, I think we should throw labels out the window and really find out what's the best for the content, the type of book you're trying to publish. And, you know, for some people, you know, Insta poetry, for example, has taken off and there's a reason it's working really well insta poetry on amazon publishing and in indie publishing and then it might be picked up from central avenue a great great press an independent press that's picking up insta poetry and that's Mm. a different kind of category it has to work really fast than maybe a lifestyle cookbook yeah and and you know i'll just throw out that you know um intellectual property has many many lives does it not so so you know, how a podcast can become then a TV show or a movie, you know, a book can become a podcast now, or a book can become, mm-hmm. you know, really anything you want it to be <laughs> from a creative standpoint, that intellectual property regardless is, is king, right? Yeah. I mean, queen, um, queen I'm sorry. Queen. queen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> royalty. It's royalty. Um, actually, let's talk about that. Cause I think one of your ideas is this, uh, this, this trend of 2022 is intellectual property. So I don't own intellectual property. That is a huge difference between my press um, and like a more traditional press, um, uh, similar to hybrid uh, presses um, that, have distribution to like even she writes press, for example, that there's many distrib- a hybrid reputable, great hybrid companies out there that they're not owning IP anymore. So I don't own the IP, which is really key. Well, how I get such great authors is hmm. that um, my contracts are just different, meaning they get to own if uh, the characters and the story, if Netflix or they want to do other things, I think it's, it's time to disrupt the industry and really talk a lot about, a publishing publisher owning IP forever is really tough when there's a digital age, meaning they don't have to put a book anymore out of print mm-hmm. because we can do ebooks. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was one reason why I decided to uh, partner with Morgan James is because they don't own the intellectual property, the IP of the the clients, and and I think. That's so important as an author myself, um, and, and y'all probably feel this way too. You know, I, I want to be able to do what I want to do with it. I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't want to end up out of print or or not being able to own my own characters. Hmm. And there's so many things that can springboard from a book. I mean, not just a Netflix series, but um, there's there you could do a play. I mean, hmm. there's possible marketing of products and um, t-shirts and and just anything that people fall in love with the protagonist and they want to have things that show that they're supporting that character. I mean, you can, you can have huge fans that, and, and all of a sudden you're branching out into a lot of different areas. And if you don't own the rights to your, to your intellectual property, then you're not going to be able to, to, to be able to reap the benefits from what you, what you of your work. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of intellectual property, I wanted to ask, since Jennifer, you have had a film deal, I recently um, attended a workshop, Hollywood is looking for IP, that they are really hungry for this material. And I was wondering if, if maybe you could mention, you know, how, how that worked with your film deal. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, I actually, the film um, deal that I got was um, a bil- basically a billionaire who 
Um, her daughter was in completing the master's program um, at USC School of Cinematic Arts. Mm-hmm. They were looking for, for a project um, and they just, they fell in love with this book. They fell in love with the story and felt like it was a universal story that, mm-hmm. and, and would also make a great, a great mini series. Um, and oddly, like a lot of the reviews I have on Goodreads and Amazon for Address the Color of the Sky, which is the, my first book, that basically say people who read it are like, oh my gosh, this would make a great Netflix show. So yeah. it, it didn't just come from this one person. It's just, I'm hearing it. People that read it feel like it, it would just be a great show. So the, the thing is when you do sell the film rights or option the film rights, you can't, sometimes if you're a big name author, very often you can get involved with screenwriting. I was a film major. I did write a screenplay. Um, and I have experience with screenplays, but you're not always going to control how that film works out or, or that kind of thing. I mean, writers just don't have as much involvement in the film process. Um, no matter who, you know, buys the, the rights to your book, they really want you to kind of be more standoffish and not as involved. Um, but I did, I did, you know, I do feel blessed that I was able to get um, a film deal on the book. That's amazing. I remember hearing um, an author talk, I forget who it was, but she was saying how um, she thinks it's important to imagine your book as just a separate entity from the film um, Mm -hmm. that you have control Mm -hmm. over the book. And then um, she had a similar experience as you're saying where someone else wrote the screenplay and she was really excited to watch, to watch the film, but she, it wasn't her baby in the same way that the book was like, it was just this kind of separate creative entity. And I think that's the same. We were talking about books being adapted for the stage or for like different, Mm -hmm. um, different things. It's almost like the the seed is the same, but it's other people, you know, taking their creative license to it as well. Yeah. And, and what resonates on film and the, uh, versus the written word, it's just, it's just a different, it's a different source of entertainment. And you'll always hear these people saying, oh, the film was better or the book was better. So, (laughs) you know, they just can't take every single entity that was in the book and put it in a film. It just wouldn't work, work right. So you just have to trust the people making the film, know what they're doing, have, understand the audience, understand what's going to work and not work um, and kind of let go of being in control, so to speak. I love that. That's going to make me look differently because I've always been one of these people. I'm like, they completely deviated from the book when I watch a movie. And <laughs> I'm now going to think of it as, oh, they're just kind of doing their own riff. You know, it's it's their yeah. interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for That's sure. Cool. Um, and I mean, all, you know, you all know uh, there's so many like Reese Witherspoon's buying so many books right now mm-hmm. and, and flipping them very quickly to the big screen. It's a really exciting time to be a writer. but you know, how do you get your book into to Oprah's hands or Reese's hands or any of the other people that are buying film rights? It's that if you're not, if you are an indie published book, you're not going to get, they're not buying the film rights to indie books. You have to publish with a big publisher to get your book into someone like that's hands. So there's another yeah. benefit for publishing with a big publisher right there. Yeah. Or, or, or a really great independent publishing house. Like yeah, you think about small, yeah. like, like small World Atlantic is fantastic. And they had a cold mountain. I mean, you can get that. I, I think that the book, pa- by the way, yeah, I mean, you can get, I think that is the power of the small press. You can, you can really, you can accomplish, but yes, Jennifer, you, you know, going back to distribution, you know, I'm going to be a little bit, 
I'm going to be a little, I, I don't want to call it, I, we have to be discerning. And the fact of the matter is, I, there's a very interesting fact that over 1 million books were published, right? That's including indie authors. And think about that as a book buyer and a librarian, a book blogger. Like you don't know now about what is going to be uploaded onto Amazon. It literally could have typos, have blank pages. There isn't a discerning eye. And so how, I guess I'm going to throw this to the group. How are we supposed to talk about content when I think that there is something to be said about publishing is part of media um, and national media. And we have to be careful of what it's not like, this is sort of the look that social media is under with it, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or any of the new newest platforms, you know, Amazon publishing, that kind of publishing people, how do you get through those stuff that shouldn't be published? Like there are things that just shouldn't be published. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I agree with you there. I've had mm-hmm. a number of people who will share with me and say, I bought this book. A friend of mine, um, has a homeschooling book and she goes, the content itself is fantastic. She goes, there's so many typos. I just have to throw it across the room and calm down for a few minutes and then get back to it. And it's like, how can we avoid that? You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I mean, you can't tell anymore. You're right. Like, let's say you're, so that's why there has to be a check and balance. If you're a librarian, you know, and you buy for the New York public library system, you can't, you cannot, you, that is a standard that they have to have in their library. So that person who's homeschooling, expecting, you know, editorial standards, design Mm -hmm. standards, typography Mm -hmm. standards. Like, so that's where I kind of have draw a line when it does come to self-publishing is that at least minimum, if you're going to be hire an editor, Everybody needs an editor. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. There's a lot of books that are not professionally edited or laid out properly, and it's true. That's a good one. Hire an editor. Yeah. (laughs) A very important piece of the puzzle, whichever way you go. Let's talk a little bit about, um, we don't have have a, a ton of time, and I would like to get each of your hot takes on any macro trends that you're seeing right now. We've already covered some some things. But, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about um, this moment in, in history in particular is like a little bit like, ooh, uh, ooh, what's going to happen? <laughs> talk maybe, I'll start with Kimberly, just about kind of what you're seeing um, in traditional publishing trends for the coming year that uh, writers um, should kind of be paying attention to. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I would say the trends would be, gosh, we had a book that was published um, in November through Morgan James, um, Behind Frenemy Lines. And it was uh, adapted. Um, uh, the author, Dr. Amber Tishner, had done her dissertation on uh, female rivalry. And it's such a, 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 a juicy topic. Um, I, I think that one of the trends would be, um, you know, t- taking uh topics like that, that are, that are something that maybe would be more a dissertation or academic level and, um, uh, translating it into, um, uh, you know, everyday speak for conversation. Hmm. I like that. Angela, you want to take this one? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're really kind of talking about sort of aspiring what, what's in, what's trending. 
Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, I think listeners of this show are, are potentially, you know, authors who have a, a something ready for market. Um, yeah. You know, maybe they already have an agent. Uh, maybe they've published multiple times. I don't know, but but you know, as yeah. we're all kind of we're all looking at the same industry and we're all trying to figure it out, regardless totally. of where we are in our careers. So, I mean, listen, I, I in our industry, when people ask me to sign an NDA, I'm like, we don't do that, right? Like, how are we going to even look? And has an idea been thought of? Has has a yes, but in the end, we what's trending? I think personally is going for a while is we're kind of going back to this home act stuff, you know, canning, gardening. I don't forget. Hmm. I do lifestyle. You know, if you're going to write a travel book, don't all of a sudden think you're going to go to Barbados and all over the world, but like really focus on like um, traveling throughout the United States, how to, you know, become the best, you know, I don't know, glamper, on, on the planet, but you know, and that'd be an interesting book probably for a publisher in the time of a pandemic. So, you know, you look, physical book sales are up. People are reading puzzles are up, but puzzle sales are up. Like things, things are really, people are home. And so what do you do at home? And I think, you know, thinking about that from a lifestyle, that's not going to go away. And then how do we ride a train where, entertaining people are craving entertainment so maybe it's a i don't know maybe it's an entertaining cocktail book on four people how you would take these parties outside and put them put them in a park you know just think creatively around the world around you what people are really doing and then uh start there that's my advice yeah uh jennifer do you want to talk um, yeah just about from well, the yeah maybe from your side yeah the i was gonna piece. say um just from from a fiction standpoint uh, i think that I mean, I'm obviously seeing a lot of flawed, flawed characters, um, characters that are showing uh, sides to them that are a little more realistic uh, and don't have perfect lives and perfect love. And um, I think that it's really important to also, I think another issue that I'm seeing and hearing a lot about on podcasts is provenance and understanding if you, where you're from, can you write a book about a, about a, a culture um, or a race in which mm. you're not actually a provenance of that particular mm-hmm. country or or race? It's a, that's that's become a very big hot button in publishing. Like American Dirt, I guess became sort of the that was the the launch of that um, situation. And I think mm. it's really important that we have diverse authors and um, we we have a lot of different cultures represented in in writing and and the same with authors so from my standpoint I put my heart on my sleeve and I share my personal stories and I I am very interested in helping people heal um I think we all bring a lot of baggage from our childhoods and into our relationships and um want to want to feel good and be happy and find self-love and those kinds of things so I, I write very character-driven stories, and um, I, I find that the more real I am about myself um, on social media and sharing my stories with um, my my readers, then that, that I can sell a lot more books because they want they want they don't want just the candy-coated version. They want to see you know real real writers, what your life is really like, and it, and it's not easy being a writer. It's not easy to make a living. Um, but if you love it, then that's really what you do it for. 
So yeah, Jennifer, I'm going to, um, I love what you said. I do a lot of nonfiction, um, you know, and I have a book right now coming out in March, um, a little less of a hot mess. And it's, it's exactly what you're That's saying. A it's title. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we all are, we all are a little like, we're all a little <laughs> bit of a hot mess and we all need to just be a little bit less of a hot mess. And this is written by a therapist. It's so incredible the work that she does. But my point is, is that I think that is a trend, right? I think that this pandemic is really hard. We are all suffering loss. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're going to write from a true place, authentic place, I always say to authors, you know, you can't, don't develop characters where you can't speak to, whether you're writing in a nonfiction or a novel, really speak. You also have to develop your perspective from essentially also where you are at. You have to own your own voice. Mm. Yeah, that's probably a great um, dovetail into uh, Dallas's own story and kind of where you came from, right? Dallas with um, becoming a published author uh, had been something that you'd been working on and working on, and you kind of broke through writing about, uh, you know, really about grieving, right? Yeah, yeah. My my first book, um, my novel, The Best Week That Never Happened, it's a young adult novel, and um I didn't realize until after I'd written the first draft that um, I was really going through a journey of grieving um, the death of one of my very best friends who died in a car accident in her mid-20s. And um, I think that writing is a way for for us to just process and heal um, so much of, of what we go through. Um, and so I think definitely during this time um, where it just life is so uncertain, we all are kind of grieving normal life. Um, I think writing itself is so much more of an escape. Um, and then also I was thinking about just trends with novels and fiction, um, perhaps in contrast to lifestyle books or nonfiction. I feel like in the novels I'm reading at least, and then I'm seeing on, you know, bookstagram, um, there is a lot of travel or escape or historical novels. Um, one of my favorite novels I read last year was People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. And yeah, her characters great. go all that's basically just a series of vacations they take all around. And um my first novel was set in Hawaii. And like I said, it came out in April 2020. And I had so many people write into me and saying, Oh, I can't leave my house right now, but I feel like I'm going on vacation in Hawaii, like reading your book. And so I do think mm -hmm. there's this there perhaps is in fiction um, this longing to escape in some way that has always been there. We always love to read fiction to escape. Um, but I think even more so uh, during this time, um, it's great to read to read fiction where we're able to travel somewhere new. Dallas, I love that. Um, you know, I come from Chronicle Books where we did Under the Tuscan Sun. Oh, one and of my favorites. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had the blessing to sell that book. I, you're really getting, I mean, you're right. This, we loved Under the Tuscan Sun because of it was like an armchair chair travel piece. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that I love what Jennifer was saying about writing characters who are realistic. I think there's a way to combine those things where we don't necessarily want, we don't want to go on a perfect travel adventure. You know, we want there to be conflict. <laughs> we want to have a relatable um, character that, that we're traveling with, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a great time if you are a writer of, fantasy or historical fiction or some way of traveling um, outside of your daily life. I, I just think readers are gobbling that up right now. 
then then I think what we should do while we have the time is um, together here, all of us brainstorm a master list of some of your uh, most va- valuable resources that writers can find out there online or, you know, you know, books that they can grab or websites that they should go to. Um, why don't you each take a, take a shot at brainstorming kind of your best resources. Um, whoever wants to start, just go for it. Oh, I'll jump in. I, um, have been partnering for a while with a wonderful lady, Alexa Bigworth, who is a, um, also an indie publisher, but she's fantastic at marketing. She has a, um, week long, uh, summit online summit in March, uh, called women in publishing summit. And it's fantastic. She gets lots of great guests and um, people from uh, especially women all over in different positions in publishing. Yeah, I'm actually speaking at that summit. So fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, yes, I'm actually speaking and kind of breaking down the models of publishing. So from hybrid to partnership to traditional and self. So I'm kind of talking about all the kinds of passive publishing and it's a great summit it's happening in March. Um, and I'm, so that's a great uh, resource. There's a lot of aw- awesome panels and discussions and Q and A's as well as a keynote. I also would recommend going to IBPA. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that uh, organization, which is the independent um, publishers book association. And there's a lot of different criteria for authors to look at, but they also talk about, um, sort of what what distribution means. They have roundtables. They have also a university pub U. And I think this year they're trying to do a couple days in person and also some days um, and virtual. So it's a, a hybrid model for their conference conference, and that's in April. Very cool. Love IBPA. And I just want to add to that they have. We were talking earlier about standards. Um, I read an article recently, and they have a, a thing published. If you're a member of it where they have a list of standards that um, publishers can follow to ensure that they're, you know, making sure everything is quality uh, uh, that's being produced. Writers, <laughs> you want to take this one? <laughs> yeah, I, this is such a great question. I mean, I think um, I love podcasts like yours. Um, I feel like I just love um, hearing interviews with different authors and people in the industry just to kind of get a sense of different stories and paths that people have taken um, navigating the industry. I also would say, um, if depending on what you write, there are, are great organizations out there for different genres. So, for example, as a young adult writer, there's um, a wonderful organization, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, um, that I'm a member of. That they have just wonderful like workshops and events and prizes and just like resources for learning, um, kind of particularly in that genre. Um, so I would suggest if you are like a fiction writer, maybe checking out um, different organizations related to your specific genre. And then one mm-hmm. other thing that comes to mind, I guess it's not, I don't know if it's related, but I was just thinking about if you are looking at um, smaller traditional publishers, like you find one that you're interested in, I would just always recommend like ordering some books from their catalog and actually like mm-hmm. reading them and taking a look at them yeah. um, before you even submit your work to them just to kind of see, does my book seem like a good fit? Do I really like the quality um, of the books that they're publishing? I just think you can't be like actually seeing what they've published already. Oh, I love That's that, really Dallas. That just warms yeah. my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
For sure. Look at the publisher. What are they publishing? You know, if you're going to do a business book, like, you know, Wiley is the game, but you're not going to, you know, try to submit to Wiley a novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going to say my uh, input on your, on your question, Kelton, um, as a, being a writer can be very lonely and isolating. Um, I think joining a writing group of some kind is really great. Um, I, I belong to the Women's Fiction Writers Association, and they offer a lot of seminars. Um, I'm, I'm involved in the Kauai Writers Conference. And every Sunday, they offer a writing class that um, has been very invaluable to me. Um, I'm also in a writing group. Um, just try to um, I also N- National November Writing Month is something really exciting and, and fun because you can get involved at the local level and meet other writers mm-hmm. in your area and do write-ins. Um, just try and interact with other writers um, so that you uh, can just not be isolated and also have you play ideas off and share your work with people um, to see how it's resonating. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't exist in a vacuum and and... <laughs> be terribly uh successful without mm-hmm. without uh getting some feedback for sure um nanowrimo does have qu- quite a few resources that you can get year round i will add mm-hmm. um yeah. so go to na- the nanowrimo website and um i think those are all free and pretty easy to find yeah i was just on uh the right minded podcast with grant faulkner um that's a great podcast for writers really mm-hmm. was a fun podcast to be on and also just a great resource that whole thing also you know book festivals like we going to book festivals writers great networking mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. that like there's the bay area book festival here in the in in may but they're all over and i and there's so many different workshops i think for writers there as well let me just say that i think uh we have a couple guests that are going to be dropping off do you want to just uh, give a quick sign off and uh, point listeners at, at anywhere you want them to uh, find you out there? Oh, yeah, of course. It was so fun to be part of this. So inspired by all of you. Um, yeah, you can find me at my website is uh, Dallas Woodburn. Dot com Dallas like the city in Texas. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Dallas Woodburn author. And if you are interested in talking to a book doula, um, my website for that is called thrivingauthorsacademy.com. Very nice. Angela? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I, I'm just the collectivebook.studio, uh, the collectivebook.studio. And Instagram is at the collectivebookstudio. It's really easy to find us. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn as Angela Engel. Uh, and so I would either do Instagram or our website and, um, or LinkedIn. Those are all great places to reach us. Perfect. Thank you both so much for joining us. Kimberly, do you want to uh, give a sign off? Absolutely. So yeah, come check me out at kwepub.com. That's Kiwi Publishing. And uh, my Instagram is also kwepub as well. And um, I have to say, this has been amazing um, uh, talking with you, Kelton, and talking with um, with y'all, Jennifer, Angela, and Dallas. This is wonderful. That's been really, really special. Thank you all. Jennifer, do you want to? Yeah, um, thank you so much again for having me, Kelton. It's been so exciting. I'm honestly thrilled to to have been a guest on your show. You can reach me at jenniferirwinauthor.com. My books are available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold um, by special order, typically, if it's going to be a Barnes and Noble. And um, 
Also, I'm on all social media applications, um, mostly <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at Jen Irwin author. Um, also have a Facebook author page, but all my uh, website links are available on my website. And I really appreciate um, anyone reading my books. Readers are everything to me. It's been truly a pleasure. You all have really incredibly inspiring stories. And of course, uh, we appreciate your wisdom and your time today. And best of luck. And hopefully we can do this again in the future. Thank you. And Kelton, Kelton, you did not say, which is true, that podcasts like your own is really a great resource. So I just, I mean, (laughs) maybe you have to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Podcasts are invaluable. Um, I have, I have some favorites, um, of course, but you know, we might save those for another show. So. Okay, good. Well, I did want to know what your resources were. You didn't tell us. Um, oh, I, I actually, I actually think that NaNoWriMo is a great resource. Um, I actually found publishers marketplace to be quite oh, that's a good one. enlightening only just to see like what people are buying. Now it is a yeah. traditional Obviously, the traditional that's where the traditional publishing deals go up and you see, but you can see the you can see who's buying what and why. You know, you can see the you can see those uh blurbs about the books. And um I I I found that pretty enlightening to kind of see what was going on. Now you do have to pay a little bit each month to to see those things. And you can also pretty much find anybody in the publishing Rolodex, can't you? Yeah, no, that's a great advice. Also, you know, Publishers Weekly and Shelf Awareness, you know, subscribing to those newsletters. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll put all these resources in the uh, notes. And thank you all again. I know you, you have to get moving. Dallas, Kim, Angela, and Jennifer, we appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.